So it's kind of interesting that we're going to start talking about the infrastructure report card the night that we're both supposed <laughs> to get hit with a significant March uh, yeah. snowstorm. It's not going to be an actual blizzard for me by virtue of it not being sufficiently windy. Yeah, but accumulation is <laughs> going to be the same for both of us, p potentially. Yeah. Mine will just be windier, more sideways. Yeah. This is going to be great. I really look forward to this. <laughs> So the report card came out uh, last week um, on schedule, and we got another D+, plus, <laughs> which is the same as last year, which is uh, up from a D in 2009, but it's always been a D or a D plus going back since it started. A couple categories moved by a third of a grade, um, but not enough to bump anything. Rail has been steadily increasing, um, but as riders of Amtrak, um, and even me as a rider of the good part of Amtrak, which is the Northeast Corridor, and by the way, uh, Amtrak is classified into Northeast Corridor and else, <laughs> be <So> <laughs> because just all of its revenue comes from the Northeast Corridor. Well, that's because it kind of sucks for everything else. Like, I recently took a train from Schenectady to Boston, and that is about maybe a three to four hour drive. It was a six hour train ride. And there's, there's this weird thing that happens at Albany Rensselaer where, so the train took me from Schenectady to Albany. And then we just kind of like chilled there for a little while. And then they hooked up the train cars from my train to a different train that had come from New York Penn Station, which then proceeded to Boston, which was really weird. And they were like, so we shut off, there's there's no electricity while that is ongoing because it's not hooked up to an engine anymore. Right. And the toilets don't flush without electricity. So they're like, if you have to use the bathroom, do it now because there won't be any ability to flush because that requires electricity, which is odd. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah the things you learn. So that's kind of why taking the train and the, and and this train actually goes all the way to Chicago. So like you can go from Boston to Chicago or from Penn to Chicago and it's like overnight and I ugh, it sounds it seems like it would be terrible. I don't know. I that that route is actually on my bucket list. Just because it goes through upstate New York. Yeah, I'll just I'll just do that at some point in the fall when I'm retired if there's still Amtrak. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it does suck a lot less than airports, especially for like these shorter distances. Like right. from Albany to Boston would probably be like less than an hour flight and you'd probably be on a little... Yeah, but three hours in the airports on either end. You yeah, know? <laughs> so you it really, it really evens out. I don't know. Yeah. I like how our schools are getting a D plus now after... They were they were an F in uh, the second. What is that? Nineteen ninety eight. The schools were getting an F. So apparently, I don't know. I guess there was something too. No child left behind, or we've changed how we measure things. Yeah, I don't know how they're grading schools, and I don't know. I didn't look at the uh, the school section of the report, 
So I don't know if that is actually a measurement of infrastructure or oh. education. It might just be that the buildings are sound. <laughs> right. The buildings are less folly downy. Well, yeah. you know, hey, you know, that is one thing. So it's harder to improve the quality of instruction by throwing money at it than it is the quality of the actual facilities. So. Yeah. At least our children, they isn't learning, but, but they is safe from crumbling, literally crumbling buildings. Interesting that you bring up money because this year the uh, the website for the report card and the uh, sloppily written app they made is really heavily geared more towards than usual to... So like the first time you launch the app, it's like, Give us your contact information so that we can help you badger your Congress people. Mm. And all of the solution sections for each of the sections, the first one is, um, this needs some damn tax revenue. Yeah. Because these are all public works that are graded in the report card. You know, a private company doesn't own a bridge that <laughs> crosses between two states that's owned by the government. And it is the p responsibility of the government to make sure that bridge doesn't fall down. And yeah. <laughs> at our current levels, everything is basically at the level of, well, yeah, it didn't fall down, so it got a D. Yay! <laughs> the exception to that is um, freight rail, which pulled rail up very high because they've been implementing uh, checkpoint and GPS-based uh, safety systems. I think that's overweighted, in my opinion. We've been doing rail safety, you know, for 100 years. I don't, <laughs> I don't think putting GPS trackers on the trains does anything other than improve the bottom line just because you can see if they're on schedule. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to be skeptical of that myself. Yeah. And the Northeast Corridor, parts of it are still, you know, the same as they were 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think some of the bridges I went over are the same bridges from 100 years ago. It's very exciting. Now, to be fair, you can build a good bridge. Right. We don't often do well, so. But... Well, we did at some point. Right. It's true that we used to, we used, back in my day when I was a hundred years from being born, we would build things to last. My house, for example, is a 1930 house. Uh, it's actually a kit house. So somebody ordered this house from the Sears Roebuck catalog. <laughs> and it is doing better than a lot of McMansions. And, and even you your house is still from the era of like the first era of horrible construction. The whole kit houses in general. Yeah, it's just not an architectural the... monstrosity, right? That's true, and it it sort of holds together like in a way that modern houses don't necessarily. Right, and it's withstanding the impending blizzard. <laughs> yeah, it's withstood uh, many such storms, and I'm sure it will do just fine in this one. And hopefully, no more squirrels will come in. <laughs> the day I left for PAX, I had to relocate another squirrel. <laughs> and, like, and like there was somebody at the park, like apparently they were just sitting in their car like a pedophile or something, which I didn't realize until they drove away after I let out my squirrel. 
<laughs> so we were both being real weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, as an aside. <laughs> aside to that aside. Um, yes. <laughs> rodents precede bad tick seasons. Oh, God. So wear a flea collar this uh, summer is what I'm saying. Like you as a person. I wonder. I don't think I'm going to do that. Okay. Well, enjoy Lyme disease. Which, by the way, we have a vaccine for that we don't make because of anti-vaxxers in the late 90s. Fuck those people. Have we have we bitched about them before? No. We, we, we should add oh, that. We, yeah, we need to do that in the future. Because I have a lot of thoughts about fuck those people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but back to our crumbling infrastructure. Yeah. How's our drinking water getting a D when there are children being actively poisoned in Flint? Like, I think that gets you an F. I don't care how not poisonous it is anywhere else. If you are actively poisoning children, I feel like the whole thing should get an F. Yeah, I'd agree with that. (laughs) Like, we're only poisoning some of the children that we know of, so that's a D. There's also... um some significant lag time in this as well. Mm. But even then, that scandal is almost two years old now. You'd think that would factor in the uh, mass poisoning yeah. of children. Now, the the big thing I want to talk about is they focused a lot on how much traffic has gone up between this report and the last one. So... With the recession and the uh, oil prices that preceded it, we had really convenient demand destruction on uh, roads. Um, And then that started to bounce back with a brief uh, period where hybrids and EVs were more popular. That's when the Leaf started becoming a word people knew for Nissan's car. I think it's actually much older, but... um, But then as gas prices continued to fall, a lot of people started handing in their hybrids for cars that were more performance oriented. And we are back on the trajectory of just perpetually increasing the number of cars on the road and the number of car hours on the road and not really addressing the whole carpooling or mass transit thing. Yeah. It's pretty stupid. Like, you should see everybody who works in my building drives there. So they drive there are themselves. hundreds of cars. Yeah, we all drive by ourselves. Like, I see a couple people who get dropped off by someone else. And I think there are maybe one or two carpools. But, like, so two of my coworkers are engaged right now and they drive in separately. <laughs> like, not even they carpool. Probably just because of their leases. I don't know. I know I know a different couple of coworkers who are married do take the same car in usually. But I'm pretty sure they own two. I know that sometimes one of them will be there later than the other. And it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Ugh, it's and, and I am a single driver and I take my car a good 20 minutes to work and I park it and it sits there all day and right now it's sitting in my driveway where it's going to sit all night and get buried in snow but um that's neither here nor there (laughs) except to me it's terrible um so one thing that frustrates me about this is 
During that brief period where Democrats had majority control when Obama got elected and they were going to bail out the auto industry despite it failing on its own merits that had nothing to do with the collapse that occurred in the financial sector other than the fact that people couldn't afford to buy cars, but those who did were buying Toyotas, um, what they didn't do was mandate a phase-in of the already mature technology of start-stop which is the thing where you go to a light and your engine doesn't burn gas for the hell of it. Basically, it would just, you know, take idling out of the equation for cars. And it's more of a thing in Europe, but it's not mandatory anywhere there either. Um, so that was 10 years ago that we could have had this being phased in, which, depending on the car, gives you between 3 and 12% of an MPG increase over a typical city drive, which is where non-hybrids suffer in their MPG compared to their highway. Hmm. So that yeah. would solve, um, at the very least, just the ridiculous amount of pollution we're dealing with from the traffic increases that we're not addressing in any way whatsoever. How do you spot a car that's been made since that law could have been signed is usually if they have LED um, daytime running lights. And you can spot them pretty easily because they're either a row of discrete LEDs or some cool design. Like I really like, um, I think BMW does it where they're like a circle around the regular headlight. And of course, they're all white, white instead of yellow incandescent or xenon blue so they're pretty distinct um but any car you see with those and in my area at least i see the majority of cars have led headlights in them that's all a car that has been bought during the obama administration or later and could technically speaking have had start stop in it but probably doesn't and there are plenty of other advantages to start-stop, such as everything that's an accessory in the car used to be powered by freaking belts from the engine. <laughs> like, it just took, you know, the power from it and sent it to that, but in the form of mechanical power, just like the old dangerous factories that had a water wheel outside and one giant spinning thing that goes along the mm. ceiling and all the sewing machines had belts that came off of that thing and down onto the sewing machine and they were good places to lose fingers. Um, and it's also a maintenance nightmare. Yeah. Um, everyone has had a belt break at some point if they owned a car long enough or something that's connected to a belt that failed. And in a start-stop vehicle, it only makes sense to turn all of those things into electrical appliances. And when you do that, you put a more uh, robust alternator in it. Um, and in addition to the lead acid battery, you might start adding at least some supercapacitors, if not switching to safer batteries like lithium-based ones or at the very least uh, nickel cadmium. But we didn't do any of that. Cars are still the same as they were before, with the exception of, you know, the niche lines of the niche brands. Mazda has some of this implemented in some of their lines. Um, 
Toyota has it in a few things, but not their cheap crap. Same thing, you know, with Honda and everyone else. So it hasn't made its way down to cheap cars, and it's not an expense thing. My Mazda 3 has a big-ass capacitor in it to power all the doohickeys. It, it charges with regenerative braking. Yes, but does it start-stop? No. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> so you're halfway there. The big-ass big capacitor isn't quite... Well, it could just use the damn battery. I don't know. It's kind of... It's It's like... It's like a half-assed hybrid almost. And it, of course, it's only in the top trim level. It's third It gets you like, yeah, it gets you, <laughs> it gets you like one mile per gallon added to your EPA rating. Yeah, start stop would add so much more. And the reason you would want to use capacitors for that is simply because it takes about seven miles of driving to repair a start on a lead acid battery's capacity. Yeah, I drive that far now, but I certainly didn't used to. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing it lasted. Um, I actually, uh, my parents had a car that was doing too many in-town trips, and they had a, they had a, a row of solar panels in the back window because the battery <laughs> kept dying on it. Wow. <laughs> Lead-ass batteries are terrible. It was either that or, like, literally plug it in. You know, sort of like, uh, you know, my dad was, screw it, this was really cheap and lazy and it just goes into the cigarette lighter and mm -hmm. because it's a dumb car so that's all wired up so it'll just flow backwards without having to actually do anything yeah i was always curious about those car starters that plug into the um into the lighter i'm like it doesn't seem safe to me i don't know it's not safe because of the wire gauge mm. because usually those plugs don't have really thick wires going to the battery attached to them yeah and it takes kind of a lot to to turn over your engine for the first time like that's why i mean that's basically why we well we use lead acid batteries because they're cheap presumably and readily available but one of the other things is you get a pretty good jolt of power to just start your engine revolving yeah it's not that big i mean com compared uh to what you could get out of lithium batteries it's insignificant uh, which is why um, you cannot jump a regular car with a hybrid oh. because it spits out too much power and might explode the other battery. That would be bad. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and another reason that start-stop hasn't been phased in is because Americans are really stupid. We are. It's true. Um when the trucking industry was experimenting with it, um, they had too many complaints of drivers complaining that they were confused that their vehicle wasn't stalling out and that it took, you know, getting used to. And these are from professionals. Um, you're a layperson driving and, you know, we hand out licenses like candy here. <laughs> is way stupider than the average trucker. So you go for a test drive. You know, and you're a typical stupid American and you pull up to a stop sign at just at the end of the dealer lot and the car turns off. And now you have to have a conversation because you don't know what just happened. Right. Oh, God, what happened? <laughs> it seems like a training issue, but lots of things are training issues. And Americans never get over them until by force. <sighs> um, and another example is... Um, just push button start in normal cars. So uh, 
push-button start is probably guaranteed to be something that's on a start-stop vehicle or a hybrid, because even if those do have keys, it's a completely skeuomorphic experience. Turning it doesn't actually contact the starter. You're just turning it just because you're used to turning right, the key. It it's just electrical switches. Um, but Consumer Reports, who has been a rag since they started reviewing iOS devices. Um, remember when they used to be good back in the 90s? Mm. Um, has this article I found when I was just uh, looking up stuff for this one about the dangers of carbon monoxide poisoning from push-button start cars. And this is a recent article. It's from 2015. I don't see... So my car has a push-button start, and I don't see how I would poison myself. Well, because you have a Mazda and I have a Toyota, and included in this article is a list of brands that don't beep if you leave the car while it's on. Well, but you would know it's on because it would continue making car sounds. Well, if it's combined with a start-stop vehicle, it might be off. Oh. And it would only um, engage again if the battery voltage is low. Like if you left your lights on or... Shouldn't it just... It just kept the radio on or I don't even know. Can it just turn itself off at that point? Like, that seems like an easy problem to solve. Right. And my car does. If you get too far away from it with the key in your pocket, it will just shut it off. And that's as much of a safety thing as an anti-theft measure. Hmm. Um, you know, it just sort of force quits itself. I don't know if mine does that. I haven't tried because I always turn off the damn car. Because of course I do. If you take off your seatbelt as you would to exit the vehicle, it will beep at you. And then you'd be like, oh, my car is still on. Also, it's still making car sounds. Right. I'm still, I'm more uh, likely to chalk this up to consumer reports being clickbaity. Mm. Because, you know, this car might kill you because it has a button instead of a key. And, but its effectiveness as clickbait is just testament to Americans' unwillingness to change literally anything about anything. And another, and, uh, another example of that is compact fluorescent bulbs, which never caught on. And the reason is they look different. And everyone will, you know, cite literally one bulb they saw one time that either flickered or they didn't like the white point on it. And ignoring the fact that all of these have extremely generous five-year return policies on them. And you can pick a different white point. And if you get one that flickers, that's a bad one. And you're supposed to send it back. The whole poisoning thing was made up. There's not enough mercury in them to poison <laughs> anyone. You would need all of them to have a dangerous amount of mercury. But CFLs never caught on. We actually got a law passed that said incandescent light bulbs are technically heaters, not light bulbs. <laughs> well, but they it are. just changed some... They are because it's 90% heat. Um, and the only reason LEDs are actually catching on, despite still being more expensive than CFLs, is because manufacturers have started making them just light bulb shaped at the expense of having a more effective heat sink shaped heat sink. So what that does to the life of the bulb, I don't know. But at least people are buying them and are turning 
99% of the energy into light instead of 10%. Yeah, that's somewhat preferable. We have a combination of LEDs and CFLs around the house. Um, Yeah, I finally got rid of all my CFLs. Not that they were even dying. It was just LEDs were cost-effective enough and large enough packs. Yeah, I've had a few CFLs die. And the thing about when CFLs die is that I'm not going to, like, go to the trouble of, like, first of all, I don't keep proof of purchase for my freaking light bulbs. Nobody does. That's right. That's, so you wouldn't know if it was within five no, years. No, I have not. no idea. And some of them came with the house and whatever, but I don't care. It's a light bulb. And I don't like, so in the winter, it's fine to have like, you know, it's really bad though. We used to have these halogen lamps that were like 300 watts a piece and we had two of them. <laughs> they were really bright. It was like a surgery in my living room. Like, <laughs> oh, halogen! That was a horrible period. Yeah, all of all of the things. So, um, halogen and um, sodium and other types of bulbs that have elements in their name are basically operating on the idea of um, incandescent bulbs die because no matter how well you attempt to make them, unless you make them in space eventually the inevitable amount of air that's in them will corrode the filament and it'll burn itself out at some point. They started filling them with noble gases and non-noble but otherwise inert gases and found that they glowed brighter so you get some efficiency out of it and also lasted longer and that was the horrible halogen era and we all remember halogen headlights and the awful weird colors that they'd come in. Yeah. And it was it was just it was so hot. Those horrible lamps. They, they were they were basically just expensive incandescents. And they would buzz at anything mm. but the highest setting. So your choices were it looks like an operating theater or it's buzzing all the time. <laughs> yeah. And CFLs get the bad rap for buzzing. It was n- no CFL I've ever owned, and I've owned many, has been anything like a buzzing halogen <laughs> lamp. Those those things, they were terrible. I used to have one in my old podcast recording room, and it would just, I would just have to record in the dark sometimes because it was too damn hot. I can't imagine having that at all, just because I don't think my lighting, all of it combined, gets to 100 watts, let alone 300. Uh, LEDs are magic. It was very bright. <laughs> well, at least you had it for heat in the winter. Y- yeah, I mean, we had to pay the electric bill. <laughs> well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. We still got a D. Roads are awful. Traffic is awful. And it's only going to get worse because the Republicans have majority control right now. There's not going to be any public spending on anything, mm. let alone things that need it. So... I don't know. Expect bridges to fall down <laughs> or just expect potholes on interstates. Yeah. Or just more traffic on interstates because we'll wait too long to do the maintenance and we'll have to close more lanes to do it. In short, as usual, we're all doomed. 